Hello! It's a brand new week, which means there's a brand new episode of Amateur Activist. And on this week's episode, I got to sit down with two guests, my good friend Caitlin and her good friend Charlotte, who is now my new friend. And one of my favorite things is making new friends and the fact that I got to make one in the middle of lockdown is a massive highlight for me. So if you get nothing out of this episode, that's okay because I now have a new friend and that's where I'm at in lockdown, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Anyways, on this week's episode, um, Caitlin, Charlotte, and I talk about women in the TV and film industry, the misrepresentation and over-sexualization of women specifically, And we talked about this because Caitlin and Charlotte are actors, and so their insight is much deeper and much more personal than if I were to talk to my best friend Sophie about this issue, which we have, I feel like. But this is much more in-depth, and it's much more credible because these two are actors and because they have so much experience in, quote-unquote, the industry. The big question that we're hoping to kind of land on and hopefully answer is how the hell do we work to change this on their side as actors and on the production side and on that side of the industry but also on my side as a viewer who has no connection how do I begin to start to shift um the how women are represented and how women are sexualized on the big screen so The three of us hope you enjoy this. Before we dive right into the conversation, I want to give a massive, massive shout out to Charlotte and Caitlin's new production company, You Creative Studios, which you can find on Instagram and I'll link it in the description. I am just, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops because I am so, 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 so proud of them. And I just encourage everyone who listens to this episode to support them by following and engaging with them on social media. So without further ado, let's get into it. Well, hello and welcome to a new episode. I think this is episode four of Amateur Activist and um, I'm really excited for this week's episode because it's something that um I feel like most people, it's a conversation that's becoming much more prevalent um, in media and online as, you know, more and more movies and films are being made and more and more actors are speaking up. But this week's episode is just kind of, I'm going to broadly title it like women in the industry and the industry in general. And we'll be, I'm sat down with my good friend, Caitlin, and a new friend, Charlotte, um, to kind of have this conversation about, um, yeah, that exactly. I don't know where it's going to go. And I think that's exciting. But um, hello, Caitlin and Charlotte. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? <laughs> Doing well. Excited. So good. Yay. Well, um, I would love for you two to just kind of introduce yourself to anyone who may not know you. Um and like, yeah, a little bit about yourselves, a little bit about why this is a conversation that we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, Caitlin, do you want to go first? 
Sounds good. Well, for those of um, you out there that don't know me, I'm Caitlin Lopez and I am a trained actor, um, but more so within the film and TV industry. So I love all things screen um, and diving into that space, always been an actor. But then as I got older, um, you kind of wear many hats as an actor. You learn that very quickly. <laughs> Charlotte will be able to talk about that too. Come on. Um, but yeah, so I kind of dived into production as well. So diving into directing and writing and also I am a trained makeup artist. So I've been able to be in a whole bunch of different roles on set and also musical theatre, but um, like I said, predominantly film. Um, but yeah, it, this is just a really, really like big thing for me. I'm really passionate about women in the industry and about the representation of women as well and how it needs to change for women um, and for the generations to come. So I, I am thankful for that. I mean, I think there's a lot of change now and there's a lot more women in the industry, but we still have a long way to go, which is mm -hmm. why and I have come together and we have started our own company called You Creative Studios, um, a little tagline of you do you. And um, <laughs> so we're just really excited to, to bring really amazing films to, to light and not just for women, but just like for humanity in general and represent people and who they truly are. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am also an actor. I have um, been doing it, been in the industry my whole life. My mom was a TV producer and host of a TV show. So I've just always been in the world. I love it. I have trained, but also worked professionally in Canada, Vancouver and Victoria, as well as London, England. And now I'm here in Sydney, Australia. And, oh, I, they say if there is anything else, anything that you could possibly think of doing other than acting, do it. It doesn't just do it because being an actor is so not easy and Caitlin you feel me I feel you yeah you feel me um so yeah I I think that's why Caitlin and I are here we just gosh darn it we love it and you can't deny that passion so um I think my whole life though growing up in the industry I kept thinking like oh the role's just gonna come to me you know I'm gonna you just keep auditioning it's amazing the re amount of rejection that you receive but they always say, like, check those no's because the, the more no's you get, the closer you are to the yes. And I've had some amazing yeses in my life. Like, seriously, I've done some really incredible things within film, TV, and musical theater world and the just theater world as well. But it just never happened. Like, I just kept waiting for the right role or an opportunity to come. And the older I got, the more I was like, oh, hold on a second. Not only is that opportunity not coming, I don't even think it's really being written or produced <laughs> or made. Do you know what I mean? And um, I kept thinking that someone was going to do it for me. Someone was going to create and make an epic film or just anything story that I could be part of that, that I could, you know, be even remotely cast in. And I finally have realized, oh, I have to do that. It, I have to make that movie. I have to. And I, I think the more people you meet within the industry who are really passionate about diversity, about change, representation, all of them will say the same thing. If you want to see the change, you have to make the change. So it, yeah, it's really exciting that Caitlin and I both have the same heart for the industry, but also for just proper representation within films. And so we're, we're doing it. We're diving off the deep end and we're 
in an attempt with, within the, the production company that we've started, we're going to create our own feature film that has is roles that we've always dreamt of seeing women seen on the big screen, you know? So it is exciting. And yeah, something that, that we need. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's, listening to Caitlin originally tell me about this idea and then talking to you guys previously before recording this, it just was like such, it was just so obvious how passionate you both are about this and how like, and I mentioned this before to you before this recording, but like as someone who's consuming content and watching films and watching, it's like, it is obvious. And there is a, as a viewer, there is that desire to like see representation, to see diversity, to see better, um, and different storylines and characters and like and stories being portrayed on film Mm -hmm. but as someone who isn't in the industry can be one of those things that it's like well (laughs) I I, I'm gonna throw my money once the film is out there like I can yeah I can contribute but I have no real concept or grasp of like okay well how do I step into this and go, well, yeah, gosh, darn it. We need more, um, more films that look like this, more people, more characters, more stories. And so that's why I'm like super excited about this conversation because it's hopefully, um, is bridging the gap between, um, how the, what the change can look like in the industry itself and the, uh, connecting that to like, as consumers, how can we, at least start to have this conversation with people, whether it's friends and family or yada, 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 yada. Yeah. I'm excited because there, I feel like is so much we could talk about. There's so many topics in regards to, um, you know, representation of women in the industry. There's so many studies out there. We've talked about it a little bit, but I am going to throw it back to you guys and kind of let you lead the conversation and I'll ask questions because I, again, I'm not in this industry at all. So where do you guys want to start? How do we want to um, kind of leap into this massive, I think it is massive, this massive discussion of like industry and representation. I think um, I'd love to start off with Charlotte, what you were saying in your intro in regards to we're writing, you know, because we, we've been waiting around, we've been um, trying so hard to kind of, I guess, break into the industry and the things that have come our way, it, it wasn't really written for us to do, or maybe it went against our values or our convictions and things like that. And you don't have to be religious to have your values and convictions, you know, like if you are a vegan, you know, you're, you're not going to go and do a meat advertisement, right? Nor should you <laughs> forced to you know just because it's, it's a role that gets you in there right and so I think um going off Charlotte like what you said that that's the thing like we we weren't able to see the type of women and characters and roles that we wanted to portray in the industry we hadn't seen that and the things that were coming uh, for me personally and I'm sure Charlotte you have a lot to share with this too um there was a lot of you girl next door there was a lot of your this is a kick-ass role but you've got to be naked or you know you've got to um be in lingerie or whatever and it didn't but it didn't have a part in the film like it was just there to be there to to sell sex Mm -hmm. and I think like that for me was something that I found really difficult because I'm so much about the story and I'm so much about the character like 
you know, if the character goes on a journey and it's this self-discover and it's this really impactful thing, that's raw, that's real, that's human, you know, that's life. Um, but if things are just thrown in there for the sake of showing off a woman's body because that's going to make some money, that's where I have the problem because I I think it brings a lot of things of objectification. It brings a lot of um, insecurities. And from that, you get a lot of mental issues and eating disorders and other things that kind of fall under that bracket. And so I think in this space, I was like, you know what, I really want to start creating something that's going to be so groundbreaking for women, for men, for diverse cultures, because even with me, a lot of people look at me and just go, you're a white girl. And that's been my whole life. But then you look at my surname and people go, what, what are you? <laughs> it's kind of like, well, I am ethnically diverse, you know, like my, on my dad's side, we are Portuguese Indian on my mom's side, we're Irish English Australian. And so growing up, I never saw too much of, I guess, my background as well, like someone that is fair, but has this diverse culture and mm -hmm. then some woman, but you know, doesn't have to do the whole like I'm just pretty and I'm a damsel in distress save me like mm -hmm. I, yeah I think I just wanted something more which is why I think writing and um, stories and actually getting them out there to impact people you know was such a solid message is so important for now and the future generations too. Mm. Charlotte you sent through a really um a really interesting like TED talk um and I'll link it, but I'll just read the title right now. But it was The Women in Film Revolution Begins With You by Naomi McDougall-Jones. And one of the things that I think, maybe I'm just disconnected, <laughs> but I feel like there is somewhat of a disconnect between the roles that are sent to actors, like the, um, what would you call it? The role description or like- um, the, the what? The casting brief. Yeah versus what we see as like in a film. And so she, like the first five minutes of her TED talk, uh, read off a few of the like real roles that she had been sent or um, that she went into audition for. And it was uh, things like, you know, mom, like they're not even given real names. They're just mom. And then, you know, the brief, I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know, finally, kind of comes to terms with the fact that her only um her only role in life is to fulfill the needs of her husband the fact that that's sent versus if I were to watch a movie with a woman who you know I don't know if she's named or not and that that's the you know the part that's being played I think there is a disconnect between what people are seeing versus what is being given to actors even and that shocked me, the fact that like someone's writing that and is okay, <laughs> like is okay with that. Or like she had a much more violent one, which again would just shock me if I received that in like a, you know, in an email or something was like, why are there no roles outside of these parameters even? Mm -hmm. And so I think um, that's all to say though. I think there is some, some sort of disconnect between like viewers and what we consider like okay and like in a film like I don't think most people would go oh that person hasn't spoken they're just you know looking mm -hmm. over a balcony and that's their entire role yeah seems to be dominated by women versus the actors who are being sent these roles and are going oh, why don't I have speaking roles <laughs> mm -hmm. why am I only being sent parts that are you know 
where I'm partially nude or I am not speaking or I'm a damsel in distress. And so I don't know if that's something that we can talk about, but that's something that I noticed immediately after watching that Ted talk was like, yeah. Oh my God, the disconnect is like kind of unspoken and unseen, but is felt the minute you talk to someone in the industry. Yeah. Here's the, okay. This is, this is my two issues that I, that I wrestle with. Number one films when first being made really in Hollywood were all by white men. And listen, I'm married to a white man. All right. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not here trying to put down the man. All right. <laughs> men are freaking awesome, but yes, they honestly are. I freaking love my husband and men. Well, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Here we go. Um, but the issue is, is that it was all from, there was one, um, oh, what is the word? Perspective. Perspective. There was no one else challenging or going, um, actually. And so it's kind of like, we've just, we've taken that on. And the problem is Hollywood. Like, I don't know if you guys saw some of the stats I sent you. It is insane. The amount of women who are, who are also not only represented, but just working within cast and crew of independent indie films versus Hollywood. And so there is this narrative that we're just trying to get out of. And we total, there are certain films. We absolutely are. Absolutely. I'm not saying that it's hopeless. No way. But it's that there's this, there's been this narrative that has been the same thing. Beautiful woman comes in. It's all about her looks. She says nothing. It's more about the man, but in a way, of course it is because this started, you know, 1930s, 19 to the 1950s by white men who were writing, directing, producing all of it. And so, but then on the flip side of that, this one film with the, the one perspective of a white male, it's going out to the whole world. And I just don't, I know we know, but do we really know, know how much films and just TV and media actually affects everything we do? I still can't go over the Queen's Gambit. The, the, the Queen's Gambit is a brilliant Netflix TV series about this amazing woman who plays chess, which by the way, had the hardest time trying to get funding just to even be created for a year. I think it was 19 years. The creator like just would go Fox Warner brothers. Like he just was knocking on doors and finally Netflix picked it up. But the sales in chess boards literally skyrocketed after the queen's gambit came out. So you can't say to me that, film and TV, all oh, seeing a woman topless or seeing, yeah. you know, a woman not well represented or people of color, whatever. It's not that big of a deal in this, in this, you know, for this film. And that. No, but it is. And I think yeah. like, we need to stop making light of, of how affected we are by what we watch. Yeah. Um, it said it even in the tech talk people, people are affected by what jobs they go after, what they do for their hobbies by what they are watching. Um, and I just actually think that is it, it, rather than seeing that as a negative thing, like, oh, this is so heavy. Wow. We're so affected by what we watch. What a gift. This is amazing. This is an incredible opportunity for, to break out for freedom, for people to, Caitlin and I did this. Um, we did some research when, cause we're in the process of creating a feature film right now. We're in the very, very early days of writing. And so we did a poll and did heaps of research. I reached out to so many people and I, I was like, what is, what, why is your favorite film, your favorite film? What is it about? that. Oh my gosh. Everyone had different favorite films. 
except Lord of the Rings was pretty consistent. But there, there were there were many different films. All of it is about seeing characters on the screen that are relatable, that they can go, oh, he gets it, she gets it. That's me. I've been. That's all we want. We just want to be understood. And so I, I, I just feel like even though the numbers are not fantastic, and yeah, the casting briefs, and there's a disconnect. There's there's a lot. There is so much hope, and we we are moving in the right direction. One percent from 2019 to 2020, we moved up one percent from film, just women being represented within the film industry. So listen, which when you we're, think about how many films are put out, how many like how many um, what it takes to put up put put a film together, right? It's not just a small team of like four people, right? It's a massive. Oh my team gosh. Of have you watched those credits? Yeah. <laughs> to think about that, like 1% is massive. And I think sometimes like when you're thinking like in a global scale or something as big as like the industry, 1% can seem kind of like, oh, like we have, uh, this is so discouraging, but it is in one year, that's massive growth. Yeah, no, it is. And that's Hollywood. That's not just, oh, the, that's the Hollywood yeah. film and true, the feature films. So that's, it is, it's huge. It's a win. Yeah, it's massive. Um, uh, I, I like, find it very interesting that um, so many, like, well, two things I find interesting. One, what you said earlier about like a lot of people and kind of the attitude towards it all is like, does it really matter? And it's like, you see the impact of like on kids when people like kids of color when they finally see someone that looks like them in film or someone that like has the same kind of hair because it's so especially when it comes to like children of color um races that are not normally portrayed in film it's like no it actually does like it does impact like you if you're you know a little black girl and all you saw growing up was disney princesses that were white with blonde hair and blue eyes or red hair or whatever like to finally see princess and the frog would have been a big freaking deal Mm -hmm. and it may not have been a big deal for me per se but like doesn't mean it's any less of a big deal yeah i find interesting is how many like one of the stats he put through were like the indie kind of festival festival films and i find it so interesting how many actors who um early in their career are in a uh you know a trilogy or in this make massive success and then they kind of stop and they all they do is these really small indie films that are directed by women that are um women uh kind of focused or that have stories that are not being told and i'm like i love that you're doing that because it brings attention to the indie films like a lot of indie films that are being uh released on like netflix or streaming sites are now being um, kind of led by these massive actors, which I love. I'm like, oh my God, I love seeing my favorite actors in like a very indie, like small budget film. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I wonder if there's a way that like, what's like, cause I know the incentive maybe isn't there because of pay or because of, you know, if you're a struggling actor, you may not want to first go do like, I don't know. I don't know what the, the thought process is, but it does make me, feel a little bit more hopeful seeing especially male actors who are really successful start to star in female directed female led female driven stories because it's like you're bringing attention to it like mm-hmm. it, I don't know what else I could ask for from you that's it yeah is <laughs> like you're a well, that's the thing they're not the enemy no. and the yeah. majority of 
men in, I mean, I can't, I, I can't say, cause I don't know. I don't know the exact stats or facts, but I, I can tell you from many of the men I know within the industry, they want equal representation as much as I do. And that's cool. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things that it's like with any movement, when it comes to e- equality, equal rights, whatever, you kind of do need the more privileged group to be on your side. So whether we're talking about the feminist movement, you do need males to go, hey, we're going to back you on this. If you're talking about um, the idea of Black Lives Matter or Black equality, you do need white people to go, no, we're going to back you on this. We're going to support you, whatever movement it is. So you do need privileged males, which tend to be the white males in the industry because, you know, they're the ones that kind of started it way back when to go, no, we're going to, we're going to back you. We're going to back you 100%. And it's like, it's cool to see that that's happening because it's like, yeah, I don't know what else I'd expect from you, but this is, this is cool. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Also, I just love indie films. Like they're like one of my Mm. favorite genre of films. I I love it so much. That's awesome. That's awesome. They're very authentic. They're, they're authentic. Mm. Yeah. And there's a lot put into it. And I think with indie films, you can say, you can say so much more, you know, like I, I think when you get a bit higher, sometimes your voice can be a bit lost. So it's like, you've got to be in that space to start creating those really great, you know, films or even TV shows or whatever it is that people want to create. But, you know, I, I was going to say like, I'm so with you, like we need men, you know, and feminism isn't women only. Feminism is just equality. And it's, you know, it's not women hating on men or men hating on women. It's literally just you know, love all around, equality all around, like, come on, people, we are human, like, we're, this is us, none of us are here, none of us are here, like, you know, we all have skin, we all have a heartbeat, we all have everything that's the same, it's just different features, which is bloody stunning, like, the mm-hmm. fact different features and beautiful cultures, and I think that's, like, the biggest thing for me, wanting to portray that, and even the Wiggles are now becoming more diverse, and I was like, yes, like, mm. you know, little things like that, like little wins that are happening that's really changing the industry. And even um, there's the Australian Women's uh, Film Festival. And I was actually able to attend that um, just is it this year or last year. Um, so they had to hold off because of COVID, but they're very new film festival and they're really empowering women to, um, you know, have more of a women, you know, production crew and, and cast and things like that. Um, Cause it's so true with what Charlotte was saying and all the statistics about that, because nine times out of 10, if we are um, directing, assistant directing, producing or whatever, you'll be one woman and there'll be like five men. And you're just kind of like, where's the, where's the balance? And men are like, they're incredible. You know, like whenever I've been on set with these guys, like they, they know their stuff and you learn so much from them, but it's like, we, we got to bring more different diverse people onto that same set so we can actually learn and grow with one another. Yeah. And the women's film festival actually states in there on their website, they're like, we are not saying men cannot be a part of it. We want you to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. We're willing- work with women (laughs) and I just loved I was like yeah yeah I think what's important for me and this is more when I sit in the producer seat or wear the producer hat we do wear a lot of hats as you said Caitlin (laughs) as artists is um yes I'm all about proper representation diversity 
but I, I, I think there is an authenticity that you can see when it is just the best person for the job. Yes. Whether that be, that is the crew, um, whether that's the cast. And so a lot of that does come down to, to the writing. Right. Um, but I think currently we're in a bit of an extreme place within the industry where it's like, no, 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 no. We need diversity for diversity sake. And we do, we do need diversity for diversity sake because it's way too long in history. Did we not have enough of it? But I, my hope and what we do with our production company is that it comes, it gets to a place where it's just the norm because it doesn't matter what, what color your skin is, what sex you are, what, 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 anything, even your age for that matter, it's you are the best for this role. Um, so if we have an all female crew, like, do you know what I mean? Um, I think, yeah. And so that's, that's my hope for the future is that we get, we get to a place where it's like, no, people aren't getting roles because they're white or because they're not white. It's because everyone's it's, it's that equality. And I think like the authenticity, right. I was talking about this with a friend because back to like Disney princess movies is, um, there was this, I feel like it is probably still this kind of demand, but a few years ago, it was this demand to have like, um, a black Cinderella or a black Elsa and people were like but that's not like these stories are based in Europe and like Scandinavia so we could do a black Elsa but like it wouldn't be Elsa it would be a black Elsa and what people were instead trying to kind of counter that with was like how about you just make a black princess like we're not asking you to be diverse because you know diversity go find an African um like a princess legend and make that a Disney princess movie. And so I think there is this kind of shift away from, I think there is still that kind of um, radical thought of like, well, no, everything needs to be uh, women and people of color. And it's like, well, yes, we want that. We want equality. But like, if the story doesn't, if it's, if the story is in like Scandinavia and the whole casting is Asian, then like, it may not be, what represents the story the best, but we can also do Asian film and have Asian representation and Asian authentic life stories being portrayed. That's it. Without it being like, it's not a a one or the other, it's both and in my That's it. And so there is that shift in um, mentality of like, well, we're just going to, we're not going to ask you to reimagine a film and make it diverse we're just going to go and make a diverse we're going to make a story that matches which i think is why it's so important to have diverse directors and writers and producers so important they're the ones that are kind of and one of the stats that you um that we were looking at i'll just read it quick so i think it's insane um and it said films with at least one director one female director sorry um, meant that women com- comprised 73 percent of writers versus 12 percent on films that were directed by men um, it also meant that women accounted for 43% of editors versus 18% when directed by men. And uh, women comprised 27% of cinematographers versus 8% of films directed by men. And it just goes to show that it's like, they exist out there. That's it. They <laughs> women do. Women in all aspects of a movie or a film yep. exist. They are out there somewhere. I think that's also the excuse, right? We're like, we can't find them. There's no women cinematographers. Well, it went up from 8% to 27%. Mm. They exist out mm-hmm. there in the world somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of 
they are still qualified, right? It's just a matter of, I think maybe women directors are going, uh, can you get me more, you know, more resumes other than what's on here? Like, I want to make sure that the person's qualified, but can you get me something other than what's on the table right now? And then I'll, I'll compare them equally and go, well, if it's a male, the male is the best for the job. But if it's actually a chick who's done much more work than this other male uh, cinematographer, I'm going with her. But these, yeah. this stat is 73 versus 12% of uh, writers, female writers. You can't tell me that there's a shortage of women. <laughs> Come on. They make up half the world and they're out there somewhere doing their thing. That's Just, it. Yeah. You know, I think also it, it takes sometimes a women director to go, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'm going to like, I'm going to give you this, this job so that you can kind of, you know, we need women and men to kind of go, actually, I'm going to take a chance on you and let's see where it goes. And we that do. being really, really, really flipping good. Then you have it on your resume and that's yeah, fantastic. But yeah, those yeah. stats blew my mind. Cause I was like that excuse of, they just don't, that we just can't find them is actually not only not valid, it's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I always encourage people, even though I know the credits are long and tedious, but even in, with TV shows, you know, like as the TV show starting, they'll kind yeah. of have at the bottom, like producer, writer, director, look at them, look at them, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel makes it easy for you because they have the scenes at the end of, at the end of the credits, but <laughs> It is. It's, it's fascinating. And it's important to give credit where credit is due, regardless of, you know, gender or race, but it, it, it is, it is fascinating to, to read through them and see. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to cough and um, <laughs> my throat. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but I thought it would save your ear holes if I didn't <laughs> do the podcast. Cause love it rude um (laughs) but I think in the on the flip side of all of this kind of like oh um we we do want to focus on like the hopeful side of it all and we um originally brought up a handful of actresses that are kind of taking a stand um you know what's the word I'm looking for I'm blanking um voicing their thoughts and feelings on this and um I know you two are you've mentioned before that you wear so many different hats but I don't know if you've heard of the I don't know what kind of what the director is called but the new suicide the suicide squad oh is it mm-hmm. the new one I'm gonna get this mixed up I apologize in advance but some fans are asking for the director's cut and so there's been a lot of interviews similar to how Jack Snyder had his cut for Justice League Apparently the director of Suicide Squad also had their own cut and fans have figured that out and are kind of demanding that the studio release that. Um, And Margot Robbie in an interview, because she was asked about it, like whether or not it should be released. And she was like, one of the things about being an actor and not sitting in the producer's seat is I don't actually know how I'm being portrayed until the movie comes out. And then I just look at that and I'm like, oh, (laughs) you've gone that direction. You've cut out this part, this bit, um, which I find interesting because I think that was prevalent with, if, 
if you guys watched the Snyder Cut versus the like original Justice League, is that a lot of the actors, a part of Justice League were quite like, we didn't like the way that our characters were portrayed in the original movie, I guess. And I find that interesting that so many more actors are kind of going, I made this film and I'm proud of it, but I'm not actually proud of the way that the, you know, it was cut and sliced and produced together because I didn't have a say in it, which I don't know if many people knew. I didn't know that actors didn't really have a say in how, how their characters portrayed, like they do the job, they say the lines, they do their part. But after that, I had no idea that they didn't really have much, much, much power, much say in all of that. It's crazy, we don't. <laughs> Um, I mean, unless it's it's you and your project and your acting and writing right. and directing on it, you don't really. And I think that's why, you know, actors um, or quite a few actors are quite careful what they put themselves in and, you know, because it's your face, it's your body. So if you put yourself onto something and then it's portrayed in a different way, that could make or break you as an actor, but also as a person, you know, like, because what if your character was portrayed in a certain way that um, was disrespectful? to you know to certain people or, or that sort of thing and it's like well you're like okay like the way this is cut is very interesting um but I I think more so what I have noticed is a lot more directors that are great directors are actually taking the time to talk with the actors mm -hmm. and they're going how do you want to portray it what what are you thinking in this space because this is what I'm thinking and this is how I want this character to be portrayed um but what are your thoughts? Because as actors, we actually, we go through the whole character development. We, we do, um, you know, everything from, okay, let's create character profile. Let's really get into this role and, and figure out how we can portray this person and bring depth to this character. Um, so we go through this massive, massive journey of that. It's a lot, a lot of work. Um, and then it's, you just get to the point where you're on set and you just let it all kind of come out and let it go and just be. Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of actors don't really know until it's cut. Like you get this sort of anxiety almost sometimes, like you're excited to watch it, but then you're also like, okay, what's this going to look like, you know? And then you watch it and you either love it or you're like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's not much you can do about it. Hey, when, I mean, once it's out, no. it's out, it's done. No. But yeah. like there's, and I, like part of me is like, okay, well, because I think it's also like there's certain movies that aren't even like the entire movie is great. And then there's like certain bits that I'm like, why would you portray that character like that? Not even just female, but I'm like, I, that's a weird, you know, that's a weird camera angle. That's a weird, like, that's interesting that that's what's being portrayed. And so I have no idea how to even go about it, but do you think it's just a, that's just the way that it's going to be like in the sense of not that actors are unhappy, but that that's just the hierarchy of like roles in creating a film that actors shouldn't have access to that? Or do you think that they should have some sort of, um, not say, but like review of like how the character that they've spent so much time and prep on is being portrayed in the movie as a whole? I think it's kind of, it's a hard thing to, to kind of say because I guess there is a bit of a hierarchy because everyone on set is trained in their right. role like so you do have the editors that 
are trying to bring the vision of the director and the writer to life. Um, and so I think like they're just trying to do their job. Um, so I think it's like you all work together. And I, I think the hard thing about the actor is the actor comes in for one process and then they get out. <laughs> Whereas the production team are there from like pre to, you know, during and then post. Post, and yeah. They, they're just there the whole journey. And I, I guess it, it makes it a bit hard. I mean, I think in a, in a world that we could, I, I'd love to because I find it fascinating. Like I'd love to kind of see the process of, you know, what's going through the, the director, writer and editor's mind and go, okay, so you're going to cut it this way because you want to portray it this way. So tell me more about that. Like I want to just understand because it helps the process of the actor as well. Because if we're doing it in a way that they don't like, so they're just going to cut it, it could have just been easier if there's like that communication and then you just work as a um, right. Yeah, I, um, I agree. I think that, and you will see again, look at the credits. There are many actors, particularly in TV that are, end up becoming producers. Right. Maybe not season one, but then season two or season three, because they do. They're like, no, my character wouldn't do this. Or have you thought about this? Or, or sometimes they even become the director. A lot of times um, the actor will have a directing of just one episode, but um, for film, it is a bit different. There is sometimes still the actors, it's more when they're the leads, they do become a producer on it so that they do have that say, but it's, it's what Kim is saying. There's so much that goes into post production or sorry, pre-production and then the post-production, we're just there for the production side of it. So, right. um, yeah, I think, I think, it, I think it depends on the project. But that's where having a director-actor relationship is so important. And so that's where we need great directors. We need great writers. They say right. film is all about the director's vision. So there's, um, I was on a huge feature film at Fox this this year, and the director one scene changed the script so many times and you could see the writer she was like it was a woman which was really cool and she'd just be there on her uh, laptop uh, okay okay and she's like she just kept trying to keep up with the director and he just kept changing <laughs> and um but with 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 tv it is all about the writer's vision and the director has to really partner with that writer and be like okay so what did you what did you mean here? So it's, it's interesting, but, but even that there's so much that goes into, and they're, they're both screen, but they're very different processes. So different. Yeah. So different. I'm someone that loves watching interviews. Like I, when I, so my wisdom is not relevant at all, but I think it's <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, I had my wisdom teeth out last October. And so I was like, Hey, what movies am I going to watch while I'm drugged up and in pain and can't really do anything? And I, you guys are going to hate me, but I non-ironically and with all my heart love the Twilight films. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love them so much. And because of that, I, so I watched the Twilight films on like the first day of my surgery. Cause I was like, I've already seen this a bajillion times. I can kind of go in and out. And then in my drugged head, I was like, I'm going to watch every Robert Pattinson movie because I love him. Oh, And so I did. And his, and he's someone that I think his, if you look at his filmography, like he went from doing kind of blockbuster films to like films, no one has seen or heard of. And you're like, 
why are you in this? Like, when was the last time you were in a movie that made money <laughs> as opposed to lost money? Like, I'm what, but I, I watched interview after interview of directors who just loved him. And I, I'm that person that will watch all of the interviews of the director and the writers. Cause I'm like, okay, I love the movie. It was fantastic. I'm already a fan. I'm, you're not, I'm not trying to like have you convince me, but I want to know why you loved your movie. And I, oh, getting in their brains and listening to interviews. Uh, and they're like the most, like the least views on YouTube, right? No one really cares about what the director or the writer, they want to note the actor. They want to watch the actor in an interview. Yes. I'm sitting there like, okay, what this, oh, this is, or what, I can't remember what channel does it, but they have the, director walk through a scene and they break down the scene have you seen those youtube videos Mm -hmm. oh it's like the commentary yeah fascinating or like they're normally with one of the actors in the scene and they're breaking down like the thought process the director's notes for that take and like you know how many takes this took and i'm like this is just i don't care what what the actor did to get in shape i want to know this is what i'm this is what i want to know about yeah but what I watched all of Robert Pattinson's movies and then of course the love of my life Kristen Stewart I went and watched all of hers very similar as well after Twilight she did a a lot of indie low budget films that didn't make much money (laughs) but were just so authentic and were so like this is a really good story like Mm. you don't have to like her as an actress but like this story is just, and now she's playing Princess uh, Diana. Diana. And I'm friggin' like, Robert Pattinson's playing Batman. So yeah, I know. They're doing fine. I love it. I'm like, but see, I was, I'm one of those people that I'm like, no, but you need to go watch the film that he did in like 2016 that no one heard, heard about because it's so good <laughs> and it'll make sense. Wow. People are like, why do they choose him for Batman? And I'm like, go watch because directors love him. Weirdly enough, like, one of the movies, Bad Time, Good Time, the directors wrote this part for Robert Pattinson. And I was like, why? Like, dude from Twilight? Like, what about him? And so that's when I fell in love with directors' commentary on their own films and their thought process behind it. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. Or the writers or whatever, whatever. If it's a TV, if it's a TV show, it's normally the writers that are getting interviewed, like you pointed out. But mm not relevant at all but I that's some a fun fact about me as I will say that's awesome (laughs) video after video of directors talking about why they love their own film which makes them they're normally very awkward and uncomfortable about talking about that but (laughs) it's weird to talk about why you like the the film that you directed (laughs) Mm -hmm. why why do you love it um (laughs) because I did it I don't know no but they're not really good answers um sorry that was I tell every time every time I do this I'm like I never stay on track and I'm so sorry because I feel like it pulls away from the conversation I think that's incredibly relevant though they say they say your favorite actor thank their director Mm. so yeah well I have a lot to thank there you go no it's a lot out of what you were saying as well because um even with whole part of you know people don't usually want to hear what the writer and the director has to say but they want to hear what the actor has to say and I find it so interesting because everyone knows the actor everyone loves the actor but yet the actor is so like expendable like they Mm -hmm. you know they can be you know kicked off straight away um are are probably the most unpaid (laughs) 
<laughs> out there you know like they will pay um the whole production crew but then they'll go oh no just get an actor he'll do it for free so a lot of the time it's just like you're doing all of these these films or these short films and whatever and you're just doing it for free because of the exposure or you can get a show reel and you're not actually getting paid so you know here's all these actors that are like doing five jobs and they're studying and they're trying to to do their passion at the same time and I feel like when it gets to the point where the actor actually you know people do see that person it's almost like yes you made it because you know I guarantee that every actor is a bloody struggling actor like let's be real um like I've definitely been that person that's had five jobs and a crippling you know student loan and you know trying to make it and it's it's one of those things where yeah I just think like I think actors need to be more respected you know and looked at as professionals and and those people that do train and put yeah their blood sweat and tears into it like pay them the MEAA rates you know like they deserve it they're they're giving mm-hmm. you it all but they can't do that if they're going and they're they're working 500 shifts and you know they only get like five hours three hours sleep and then they have to go and pour their entire body and emotions out for you know your film so I think like I definitely want to see that change there and I think it's kind of cool when you're talking about people love hearing from the actor because there is a lot of depth there is a lot of stuff and journey there for them to get to that point and I think it's really cool to see that and then you know obviously finding the directors and writers that work with those people and actually honor their time I think is a really beautiful space. Mm. Yeah. Have you guys ever had a situation or um, an experience where um, cause I've also heard actors talk about this, where they tried to advocate for their character and because you mentioned Caitlin, that actors are to an extent expendable, um, where they, where you, you've advocated for a character, you know, for a role. And it was either like, you know, you either do the role the way that we've written it or like you're off or is that kind of, uh, or have you not have you not really felt the need to advocate for your character, their development, or whatever? Um, I'm pretty lucky in terms of I've been able to work with a lot of cool directors that want my opinion because <laughs> they respect, you know, what what we do and what we train in, and um, they'll say, "Look, what's your opinion on the character in this space? Like, what do you believe your character would be feeling, and and how would you act like?" Because our cameras need to follow what you do and so it's this whole thing of getting into into that character's head and going okay cool well if I'm anxious I'm not going to just be sitting here and just fidgeting get up I'm going to need to walk around and like pace and calm myself down so it's kind of working in that space and working with the director to go okay cool let's work with this and I think nine times out of ten you go okay great well let's do what the director's envisioning and then hey can I do what I'm actually envisioning if it's not on the same page you always respect the the director, you always respect the writer and you bring their vision to life. But if there's mm-hmm. a need to actually say, hey, I actually think this would showcase this this character in a, in a better light or it would really add to the storyline, um, can I give it a go? And nine times out of ten, a great director would be like, yeah, because they trust you. Um, but, I mean, I've had situations where um, there are some really great films that um, – that they just wanted me to do. I didn't have to audition for it. And I was like really excited for it. But, um, you know, I'm not going to go into details, but basically it would just be, I would be naked or I would be in lingerie doing all this sort of stuff that 
was just for the sake of being there and I just said hey like I actually am not comfortable with that you know like and I, I just I don't I don't think my character would <laughs> kind of do that because it's not about that she's a strong woman that is you know in in a field where you wouldn't do that and so it was just kind of like this moment of hey I want to chat to you about it mm. and thing of like well it's got some big money coming to it and there's these distributors and yada yada and um they're like so we need it and I was like okay so you need it because you just need a woman to sell it sell her body and so I didn't do the role and it sucked sucks so much but um I just, yeah, that was like a moment that I was advocating because I was like, you want to paint a strong woman that's kick-ass, but you still want to objectify her. Mm. I don't see, I don't see why <laughs> those two things are like going together. So I think there's a lot of times when actors have had to unfortunately stand down a role or not be able to even be given a chance to explore and make that role something special without those things that they believe doesn't need to be there or isn't right or can change in a way um so I think it's it's a bit of a tricky I think situation yeah. mm -hmm. Charlotte yeah I've never I've never taken on a role if I don't feel comfortable with it so I've been given casting briefings or audition opportunities and I'm it is it's like a really big opportunity and I'm so excited and I'm reading the script or I'm reading the casting brief and I'm like sorry what now uh, and 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 it's the most awkward uncomfortable moment having to message your agent and be like I'm not willing to do this because it's you've not even like tried to audition for it so it makes you the actor and you're whole, all about the the first you know years of being an actor years many many years sometimes is about hustling you know it is such a like putting yourself out there just doing whatever you can um just to get that showreel and get that resume but, and so when you, you say to your agent, I'm not even willing to audition for this, not even like, oh, I'm not willing to take the audition. It's not a good look. And, um, I have, I've had to do that a couple of times and it's, it's uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> but I would way rather not be in a film or a TV show like that, that I don't believe in. Um, one time I played Satan in a, in a play and, um, it was, it was a Christian show and it was a really important message. It was the Christmas story. And it showed like how Satan, you know, how he was actually like trying to friggin' work his whatever. And like, it just showed the reality of the Christmas story. It was a really beautiful, beautifully written show. But I remember my little brother, he's eight years younger than me. And at the time when I was in it, I was like, I don't want my brother coming to see me play Satan like that huh, that's, that's terrible. And so I think that's something that's really helped me. He's now, he literally goes to university tomorrow. That's so exciting. So not relevant, but so dear to my heart. Um, but I think having that mentality, having a little brother who I knew looked up to me so much, that was always at the back of my mind. And now I'm a teacher and I have so many students and praise God, I didn't take those roles out of desperateness because my students could easily just type my name and probably find if I had taken on some of those or even auditioned, whatever, then they'd find that. Whereas I have no issue with telling them, yeah, I played Satan once because, you know, like it, it's, yeah. it's cool to share that. So it's, yeah. 
I think many actors experience that. I um, there's an Academy Award that was hosted. One, I don't remember who the host was, but they they opened the show talking about how many women have been topless in a Hollywood film, and like there's so many women that you don't even realize, and that's just just so they could get a name for this. That was a start. And it's so sad that that's such a reality. And a lot of, like, I'm not saying all women just do it because sometimes there's um, integrity in it. And I'm not, I'm not putting them down or judging them in any way, but it definitely is reality of like, oh, you want to get your foot in the door? Take your top off. Yeah. Sorry, honey. And so, yeah, I think, um, I think it's, it's, it's definitely something that most women will experience, but we don't talk about. So it's important, it's important to talk about it. And oh also it's also so interesting so i um when the newer version of charlie's angels directed by elizabeth banks came out i went and rewatched the old charlie's angels mm. <laughs> i was baffled <laughs> i was like wow 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 because again i'm a big fan of kristen stewart and then i love I felt I'm blanking on her name right now but I fell in love with the like the newer actress in the in the trio I'm gonna look it up because I want to make sure I know her name because it's important is she from um Aladdin no no the other one. Oh, the other one um Ella Belinska okay so Ella Belinska Naomi Scott and Kristen Stewart were in the new Charlie's Angels and there was um like uh, the character that Kristen Stewart plays, she had like a little sexy scene, a couple sexy scenes, but it never, like we talked about before, it never made me feel like I was distracted from the story. And it also felt like they were very in control as spies, like of their sexuality, as opposed to it being a camera angle that's scoping their body. It was more so them as the character was using their sexuality and their sensuality to get, you know, whatever the scene was. But that's real. And that's real. Yeah. Which I was like, that, yeah. is, that is real. It's not just, there's, I remember in one of the Charlie, the older Charlie's angels, like one of the angels is on like a surfboard and the camera like slides up her entire, obviously her ass, up her entire body. And it just was one of those things that it was like, okay, we all know she's wearing a bikini. <laughs> there's no need. <laughs> We all know that humans have butts. There was no need for, for this like slow, you know, she's obviously wet and glistening and whatever. And I was like, it's so different than in this newer one directed by a woman where it's just like, yeah, it's sexy and flirty and fun. And they're in short dresses and crop tops and shorts. And like, you see their bum and like, whatever, they're pretty, but it's like, but they're spies or they're, they're meant to be, you know, so it's like, it makes sense to the story. Yeah. I just thought was like, there is a place for it. And I think yeah. know, like one, like as a trio outside of this is like, we're not saying get rid of every sex scene, every new, but it's like, is it drawing it away? Like, is it drawing me away as the viewer from the actual storyline? Um, and most cases, like most movies that I watch or TV shows where there's like, a lot of nudity or rough sex or whatever. I find myself like doing the little skip button. I'm like, I just, this is not like, I'm actually like, I'm bored. Like this is not at all relevant to the story. Yeah. And, yeah. Or it's to the point where I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't know. Like, I know one of my friends and I, we watched um, 
50 shades of gray but we skipped <gasps> all the sex scenes to see what the actual storyline was because i feel like people watch those movies and they're like oh yeah it was so good but i'm like what the hell happened <laughs> what was the actual plot because you know how and <gasps> it'll say the plot in the little netflix yeah. thingamajig but yeah. i'm like yeah yeah because sometimes those descriptions are like so vague i'm like what what actually is this movie about so we watch it together and we like nope skip so we would like hover the mouse and like okay no they're clothes <laughs> and we were like this is the most basic and this is no disrespect to but this is the most basic like boring like nothing happened there was no arc no character development there was nothing that would have kept me watching this movie except for the fact that they're naked okay this is the coolest experiment ever and we did I love that you did that i can't Right. I can't so, come to watch Fifty Shades of Grey, but that is clever. Just one of those things that it was like, okay, I could justify, maybe justify watching the, the trilogy if there was some sort of, because I know that his character, it's, 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 it's his entire character, right? Is that, it's, it's, you know, it's the whole franchise, but like, is, does there anything of, is there any conversation? Like almost every dialogue that was had between the two of them ended them ended in them naked. So we would have to skip. So it was like weird pieces of dialogue throughout this two hour movie that was just like, we talk and then it's like a five minute sex scene. And so you're just like, okay, skip. And it was just the most, it just wasn't a good film. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I would justify, this is like me being a, broke college student right paying money to go see this in cinema because it's not good it's just sex and I just found that we found that so funny like we, we laughed then we were like it's just so sad that like so wow. much money went into this film right and it yeah. made so much money it's I think it was released on Valentine's Day every like every movie whatever year it was released Mm. it's so much money it costs so much money and it's like and then the two actors got to do other really great projects but it was like that so much time and effort and resources were put into a movie that just didn't have a good storyline it literally oh, wow. was it's the epitome of <laughs> sex cells <laughs> right yeah like, that trilogy is, is the epitome it's the poster child of no we're gonna sell the only thing that's selling this movie is sex because it's actually not a good movie. <laughs> but what a good case study. There, yeah. boom. Yeah. How well, good yeah. is that? So any movies that like, I don't know if you've seen the new or if you've heard of the new Netflix show, uh, Sex Life, I think it's what's yeah. called. Yeah. Again. No, I've not. It's, a, it's about a woman who's in a relation, who's, who's married and she is like, has two kids. And she's just kind of like, she's, um, nostalgic over her ex-boyfriend who was a, the bad boy but they had like amazing sex and she's kind of stuck in this like really traditional safe marriage and she's missing the adventure that her ex gave her but it's just it's like a couple maybe like eight episodes and it's essentially about like the back and forth tease of like he now knows that she wants him the husband it's it's sex it's it's sex <laughs> it's all sex and so oh, no again I was bored and I watched it and I would skip and whatever and I'm like there there is nothing in this movie 
or this show that is like, I get it. It's we're in lockdown. It would be a great show to binge and you would feel horny and it's whatever, but it is not, there is no storyline. <laughs> nothing good about this. It's like, cause you have those extremes, right? Where it's like, Oh no, all this is doing is selling sex. The only reason people are watching this is because it's a, it's a show about sex. Yeah. Like it is literally in the title. Yeah. And, and other times love these conversations because <laughs> I'm just like, this is the thing I'm like, Oh, about, because I'm like, this is feeding the pornography industry because basically that stuff that you're watching is soft porn, right? It is and like that show. 100%. Soft porn. And it's like, are you serious? So, I mean, yes, yeah, the whole thing of sex sells the reason why it, you know, 50 shades did so well was because it made people feel things, you know, like it made them, you know, want it more. And it's just kind of like, yeah, well, story, when you're a storyteller, you're meant to make people feel things, but not just aroused. Like, you know, it's, you're meant to dig deeper than that. Like don't just shove sex into people's faces. And I actually saw an article on um, the actor from, from Sex Life. I haven't seen it, but I um, knew about it because the trailer keeps popping up and I was like, what is this about? And then like when I saw Sex Life, I was like, ah, well, thank you for being But um, it basically was saying how like she's so brave to do the role and da-da-da-da-da. And I was kind of like, why is it brave for a woman to be naked on screen? Why is it praised for a woman to be naked on screen and to still be sexualized and objectified? I just, I get so angry at that because pornography is the biggest brain killer, right? And I feel like this industry just keeps feeding into this really bad industry that ruins relationships for people. It ruins young men and young women's um, minds. And my, so my mom is a counselor and she um, was actually doing a lot of these different case studies and stuff. She showed me the brain of someone who's just got a normal functioning brain she showed me the brain of someone who was a heroin addict and then showed me the brain of someone who is um, a pornography addicted person. The heroin addict and the pornography um, addicted person, both the exact same brain. So like wow. it's completely covered. It's all completely like blacked out. So all of those neuropathways have been damaged and, you yeah. know, people do your research on that sort of stuff but it gets to the point where if you do have a pornography addiction you were so desensitized to things like 50 shades and sex life and all the other things that are out there because you just think it's nothing right it's just boobs or it's just a butt or you know those times that you see a vagina too and you're just kind of like it's not okay like you know there are storylines that are true stories and there's things out there that yes 100%. That is for the times. That is what happened. That's historic, right? It's true to the storyline. But so much these days, it's just thrown in there for the sake of it, which makes me so angry. And it affects people's relationships to the point that sex, which is meant to be this beautiful, sacred thing of intimacy between two people, has now become so damaged because that arousal that pornography, you know, creates has made sex not the same and I think like the more that you sexualize and objectify women especially in the industry because media is so powerful you know the worse people are going to get and like I I honestly it's uncomfortable I don't want to see boobs like flying around everywhere and like that's yeah. necessary 
I think it's so cool and very full circle that we've come here because think about what we were talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, what, how we did the research of what people want to see in film. They want to see people who are relatable, who they can go, oh, that's me. Oh, they get it. Mm. Porn isn't real. Yeah. It's not. And okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, so many of the soft porn that we see is not real. And so I think that is, um, and so many movies we see are not real. Oh my gosh. Marvel. Hi. I love you so much. Twilight. You're not real, but you know what I mean? <laughs> there maybe Edward Cullen is real. We'll find out. But, um, but sex is real, obviously. And so I think, I think when it's, it, it, it can be portrayed, it's a real thing that happens and it's when it's portrayed in a way that isn't real like porn and, um, and that, that is really damaging. And so I, yeah, I completely agree with you, Caitlin. I think it's really important, but if we, if we represent, you know, what is real where people, which there are some, there's great films and TV shows out there that represent the reality of what sex is or can be. And so, um, yeah, it's just coming back to the authenticity of it. And it's coming back to the why, well, why is there a sex scene here? Why are we showing this or that, you know? And I think too often we didn't worry about the, why we worried about the selling of it and the, the box office numbers. So yeah. It's- There's a, a great show. It's one of my favorite shows and I recommend it, especially to Christians because I feel like a lot of young Christians, like young people in church weren't really given a great sex education, but it's a TV show, sex education, and it is filled with sex oh, yeah. per the name, <laughs> but it's in such a real, and there is, there's boobs, there's penises, there's like it's masturbation. It's all over the place, but cause it's, you know, it's what you're expecting from a show called sex ed, but it's, they're teenagers. I was just going to say they're in high school. Awkward. And you're just like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I just looked it up. So I wanted to make sure. I don't know who directs it, but the creator is a woman and a lot of the writers are women. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to assume who the director is, but. There's probably di- different directors each episode. Probably. Yeah. That's probably what yeah. But um, picked up by Netflix, which I feel like. I don't know much about the behind the scenes of Netflix, but I have recently, like over the last almost two years of like being in a pandemic, I have loved the shows that they are kind of putting out there in the sense of like, there are some shows that are deep, deep into Netflix that you would never find unless you like looked it up. But the-, the, the Like Netflix the- originals? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. yeah, that are like in um, Portuguese and Spanish and that you would never, they're not being, you know, uh, marketed. Yeah, but if you find them, you're like, this is actually a great story. And I don't know, now I'm obsessed with the, this writer. And I think that's great. And so Netflix is a beast of a, you know, company, but I love this. The show Sex Ad is one of the very few shows or kind of films that I've found that it's like it's filled with sex but in a way that is so authentic to the story it feels very real it's relatable it's like yes (laughs) yes there was a point where you're like oh my god like 
it, everything about it is so well done that it doesn't feel like it's um like oh my god like it doesn't feel like soft porn either where it's yeah. like, oh this is not even like real life it's it's almost too real where you're like you're you're internally cringing because you're like oh it's like a hand embarrassment like that could <laughs> totally happen and oh I remember being in high school and like that is not what you want to happen at a high school party like those kind of things and I'm like oh I love that and the actors are yeah they're fantastic as well but yeah they are um yeah that, that's a show that I immediately think of when I think about like a show that is sex forward but is obviously yeah yeah and I think like, there's a place for everything you know and that's yeah. that's you know, Charlotte and I are trying to say like there is a place for every aspect of life and humanity and you know what we do but I think it's it comes down to the way it's portrayed you know like the way that the the story is told you know there's so many things like your representation your stereotypes and you know all these different things and stereotypes is a huge one of how certain you know women or certain races are portrayed and things like that and I think like that's what really needs to shift like there's nothing wrong with sex sex is gorgeous our bodies are beautiful and they come in all shapes and sizes which i'm now thankful that they are showing more of because like the whole thing of um women should be a stick um you know rather than this voluptuous you know thing is just ridiculous and i think like the beauty of it there there is more representation out there for real people for just average people of all different shapes, sizes, colors, like, you know, and I, I think that's really, really important. So I am really excited for all the amazing changes that are actually happening in the industry and that what's actually changed so much is that the people, the audience is what's actually having a say now. And um, in my studies that I'm doing, like, which is a media and communications um, degree, it talks a lot about how audiences now have so much power and the fact that women are speaking up so much more and saying, hey, that's not right. That's not true. Stop objectifying us. We are actually, you know, X, Y, Z. I think like that's really shifted the industry. And the same with people of um, different backgrounds and cultural and, and races. They're going, I'm sorry, but that stereotype is not OK. Like, yeah. you know, us like m make it so relatable to the point that we go, yeah, that's that's my dad. That's my mom. That's my best friend. That's me. Like. And that's what storytelling is. And I just think that all the mud and the stuff just needs to be like shaken off and washed off and actually start depicting life for what it is mm -hmm. rather than this imaginary thing of what I guess the media kind of sometimes twists it to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about your guys's new production company. Um, but I want to segue into that because I know that we all love Reese Witherspoon and we all adore Hello Sunshine. And so I've just quickly, I'm on their website because I wanted to read the who we are. So then that segue into, um, oh, you know, your guys's mission or vision statement. And, um, and then we can kind of finish with how we move forward after everything we've talked about, how in the hell do we actually, <laughs> how do we actually do anything about this? Um, so I'll quickly read it. So Hello Sunshine um, is a media company that puts women at the center of every story we create. 
celebrate and discover. We tell stories we love from big to small, funny to complex, all shining a light on where women are now and helping them chart a new path forward. Hello Sunshine is on a mission to change the narrative for women. And they're about shining a light on female authorship and agency, which I feel like if you are not a fan of that, who are you? Because that just sounds absolutely divine. I don't know anyone who'd look at that and be like, not for me. Not interested. <laughs> yeah, not interested. Pass. But I would love to um, have you guys just, I'm going to sit here silent and have you guys just talk about your new project, your new company. Um, yeah, give us all the deets because I think it is, it's, an, it's a, a massive step forward in my opinion. So I'm handing it over to you too. Charlotte, go for it. I feel like I've, I did my passionate talking, so. Oh no, girl. <laughs> I love the passion. Yeah. We, we just, we, we love, we love this industry and we think that there's no better time than now to finally put ourselves out there and stop waiting for the phone to ring and um, start wearing those other hats of artistry rather than just being like, no, 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 we're an actor. That's all we do. Actually, we're so much more than that. And we are more than that. We're a woman. I'm a woman. I'm a daughter. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. And, you know, so I think um, wearing, putting on the hat of being a writer with Caitlin and a producer and Caitlin's a brilliant director. um, We're just really excited for what's going to come. We have very big dreams, but as of now, we are a video production company here in Sydney, Australia. And we do everything from, you know, your website video to a social media video to a short film to a feature film. So our goal and our passion is the industry, but we just like the film and the the performing arts industry, but we also just love the power of video. Like, let's just talk about social media right now. TikTok reels. What are they? It's video. So, um, and we're very aware of that. And we, we love telling people's story. So if you're a small business, if you're a big business, if it's again, a written script, we just love being able the power of cinematography and editing and, and how video can bring it to life and, and reach such a broader, wider audience. So we're really excited. We we're, we're babies. We've just started. Um, but the future is bright. We, Caitlin has an amazing mentor in LA who is really partnering with us and supporting us with this feature film that we're doing. So follow us on Instagram. We're currently yeah. called you creative studios. We might be changing who knows, <laughs> I'm but we're regardless. Yeah. Give us a follow on Instagram to see the journey and to, to be part of it. We, we, we want to partner with people. So mm, yeah. I'll- that we um we're huge on collaborating so we we want to work with everybody that we can like we don't care where you're from who you are your background your gender or experience we even we um yeah we just we want to work with anyone and everyone that has the same passion to just tell real true authentic raw stories um and just get it out there you know in terms of feature films and short films we've got um sitcoms and tv shows that we're working on we, we want oh yeah um, we do. Yes. <laughs> so oh, we've got yeah. that thing. I forgot that sitcom that I wrote last year. That's right. Yeah, the sitcom that uh, Charlotte's created with um, a friend of hers in London. 
and she's in Canada. She's in Canada. She's in Canada. Ah, amazing. So she's in Canada and, um, yeah, it's just, it's great and it's funny and it's just, it's everything good. And, um, so we're really excited to be a part of that. I'll be acting in it, which is amazing. Um, so just seeing like how she's soaring in that space, you know, so there's a time and place for everyone's gifting and, you know, that sort of special place. So that's what we want to create. We want to just create a, a team and a culture where everyone's invited, everyone is equal and, you know, has every right to be there and create and get their stories out. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the whole thing. And you Creative Studios um, is the name because it's all about you, you know, like we want it to be all about you, that one person that's watching um, or that one person that's involved and want to impact. You know, I always said that anything that I do in life, if I just can impact one person and I can change their life completely through whatever area of, of creativity, then I've done my job right. And so that's where this kind of came from. And then we were just playing around with the whole, oh, we love it when people say you do you because it's true. Like you do you, regardless of what the world says or, you know, tells you what you should be or should be doing, you know, you do you and that's that's the beauty of it. So we are really excited. We're excited to partner together and just keep creating these epic things and, you know, go big. Change the narrative. Change that's our thing. Yep. so much um yeah I so I know you sent me um a few sources resources that I'm going to put in the description um I will also obviously put you creative studios in the description as well um for Instagram but is there anything else that like as as consumers that I that we can do that I can do because Again, like I said, the minute that a film comes out that I feel like its story is um, unique or um, uh, is kind of overlooked often, I will throw my money. The amount of times that I watched, I don't know if you have watched this film, but Jesus and the Black Messiah, it oh, was yeah. so good. And I went, I think three times and each time took a group of people. <laughs> That's that. There you go. Yeah. If I find a movie that I'm like, this story is going to be is is phenomenal. It needs to be heard or seen. I will throw the little money I have at it and take groups of people with me. But is there that's fantastic? Like that, you know, viewers, consumers, people who love watching film and TV can actually do to help in this sphere, or is it just a matter of like throwing money at films that kind of hit home for us as individuals. Yeah. I think even just supporting the arts yeah, is yeah. really important um, because the arts shapes our culture. Like it really does, even from just a small little play to a feature film. So I think if you can get out there and support the arts, that is amazing. And yeah, don't be afraid to share it. When I, when I find things that I love my, okay. One of my favorite things is asking my students that I teach acting and singing to, I'll be like, Hey guys, what TV shows are you watching? What films are watching? Cause they have, they have so many great things that they're watching that I have no idea about. And so we let, I think it's sharing with people doing what you do. Bella, that is awesome. I literally bringing like my little app for the cinema was like, Oh, you just earned, like you've spent a lot of money. Cause I would book on <laughs> together so because of COVID yeah 
if you book them separately, you have to have the seat in between. So I was like, I'll just pay for all of them at once each time. So like, you've spent like $200 on the same oh. I was like, yes, I have. <laughs> How much do we miss going to the movies in the theater? I'm just saying. Like anyway, I miss I don't. it. Anyway, we'll be back. We'll be back. But um, it's it's that it's being a little bit intentional and mm-hmm. and going out of your way and watching a film directed by a woman or written by a woman. Um, it's what I said earlier. Actually, watching the credits and paying a little bit more attention to, oh, who's who directed this or or you know, just the the di- diversity within that. It's um, it's supporting the and supporting those smaller things as well. And I think taking a chance like kind of what Caitlin and I are willing to do with our production company, taking a chance on yeah. artists who, cause the industry is so hard to get into. How do you get into it unless somebody takes a chance on you? But yeah. then how do you, uh, it's like this never ending hamster wheel that you're just running. And so support the arts give, even if it's $10 to a GoFundMe or if, a, you know, an indie film that you're seeing, but get out there, watch, share. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is like the digital space. Like we actually have so much power, you know, in this world that we live in now. And I think like, you know, like spreading good things, you know, and, and encouraging other people, like, you know, backing up the small people, mm. you know, like people, the small businesses, like, you know, for instance, our small business, um, obviously being in COVID right now and in lockdown, it's really difficult. So I um, previously to this tried to create a business and it was just up and down, up and down with COVID. And I eventually was just like, I know what's going to happen with it. And then, you know, talking with Charlotte more, we were like, well, let's team up, let's together. Let's just create, let's use this time to create. And I think the biggest thing would be like, for us anyways, and it, it may seem so um, minimal to people, but it is that following, you know, it is people actually like come inside the journey with us. And there's a lot of times when Charlotte and I will actually ask the people that do follow us and just say, hey, we want your opinion. Like we, you know, we want to we want to create a character on you. And like, you know, so when you go to the cinema, you can see yourself, you can relate. So a lot of our stuff, we want to be really interactive with with our followers and the people that are really like backing us up and you know, eventually, like you do get to the point where you've got to go through the whole funding process and you've got to build these things. So I think if you believe in something enough, backing up to the point of action is really important. Yeah. Um, more so than sharing maybe things like <laughs> Fifty Shades, go share the, you know, the indie films that you see out there that you're like, whoa, this was so impactful, you know, in yeah. some, hey guys, check this out. I yeah. think it's thing and I think as well for people out there that are artists or in the creative field create your own content you know and and come alongside people like Charlotte and I come alongside other people that you know you want to work with like we are in a space where it is so difficult to be an actor (laughs) like you can't just be an actor Um, but there's beauty in that too because you get to be a creator Um, so I think yeah just for the people out there as well that are struggling as actors in lockdown and just all over the world, don't give up, don't stop. Um, you know, I know it's a time of feeling really defeated, but surround yourself with people like, you know, Charlotte and I, because that's what we're doing. We're surrounding ourselves with people that have done the journey longer. We're getting advice, we're talking to people and being mentored um, just because we want to create. And I think that's the biggest thing to just have people support and yeah. Yeah. 
like anything in the arts, right? Because I feel like it's just, it's, it's support. It's, <laughs> it's sharing, yeah. following, it's talking about it. It's um, constantly talking about it as well. I'm that person that like, again, very niche, um, uh, like hobbies and things. And so I'm always like, oh, it's a very niche movie, but um, <laughs> you're interested. <laughs> Just watch it with me, I promise. Um, yeah. And then there's other things like the other day, um, I cannot do scary movies. Many enjoy it. <laughs> and they are the, they have reimagined the movie Candyman. I don't even know what that is. Praise God. I don't want to know. But the director is Nia, Co- Nia DaCosta and she is the first black female director to debut a film at number one. And wow. I was like, that is fan, especially a horror film, right? So fantastic. And I shared it, but I was like, I will not be seeing this movie. <laughs> yeah. Nia, I'm so sorry. Support you. I won't watch you. You and I applaud you and I will rally for you. But yeah. I will not be watching this. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how else to say I am very proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh I will God. not be spending I cannot. I will can I send can I can I buy a ticket and send it to someone because I'm, I'm not watching. that genre, you can go. <laughs> but I'm like the fact that yes amazing i'm here i support i just i cannot watch candy man i'm so sorry nia <laughs> not that we're friends but i'm so um, sorry but um, I, I applaud the heck out of you because that is amazing <laughs> but i saw it and i was like i want to support so i'm just going to share and talk about it but which is great staying away from candy. yeah no it's yeah very much a horror yeah. film and i'm like no 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 I don't mind thriller. Horror is like a whole other thing. And I'm like, me too. I'm feeling scared. I don't. I have too big of an imagination, which makes me a good actor that I have such a big imagination. But if I watch a horror film, wrecked. Especially like when you, when they reimagine it for like current times. And I'm like, this is too, now this is too current. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is too Too close. Yeah. Yeah. Pack it up. Five years ago, please. Why is this current? <laughs> this? Oh, I don't know. Anyways, again, me on my, you know, I'm gone. Love it. Um, but I just wanted to say a massive thank you to you both for. Oh, you guys are busy. I know you're starting up a company. Um, and but thank you so much for sitting down with me and to anyone who listens and having this chat. Um, and then having. Yeah, I guess I would call it courage, having the courage to go and start something new in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of lockdown, but you have the fire and the passion to, you know, change the narrative. And so I applaud you and I applaud anyone who is a creative trying to reimagine their industry right now. So I applaud applaud you both. Thank you. Love you so much. Thanks, girl. Thank you for creating a platform where we can share stuff like this. Oh, and for having us on it. Yeah, we appreciated it and your time and all your beautiful questions. Um, And we're excited to see what you come up with as well because I think you're you're being a voice for people and Mm. allow like us to come on and and share our voices as well for important topics. So.
thank you both. And um, we will see you listeners um, the next time I decide to feel, I decide to release an episode. <laughs> um, I'm hoping it's every fortnight, but look, your girl is got a lot of stuff going on with uni. So the next time you hear from me will be the next time you hear from me. And, I hope <laughs> and you that's that. some authenticity right there, folks. And that's it. Love you guys. It. <laughs> <laughs>